0: Set it up. That's me in the corner. That's me
1: in the my Here's your host, religion. Alex
2: Garrett.
0: To keep up well, we're not necessarily losing religions, but this is a new spotlight uh, that will be shined as heard on Alex Garrett's bo- uh, podcasting. See, I'm starting to. Mix it all up, but I have done something which I never thought I would do. I never thought I'd say goodbye to the baby that got me to really start in the podcasting world, in the online radio world. But I said, why call it the sports hour when really I'm shining a spotlight on those in sports? So welcome to Alex Garrett's Sports Spotlight. And my first guest today is Joe Rini. You can find Joe. He's a writer. He covered the old-timers day for the Mets, and that's why I bring him on today. And you can find him at Fan in the Box. And he's also got a column at The Last Word on Sports. Hey, Joe Rini, welcome into the Alex Garrett Sports Spotlight. Thank you for
2: having me on, Alex. I really appreciate it. So, what drew me to longtime sports writer Joe Rini? Well, he was at Old Timers Day. And I already talked to Eddie Granado of WFAN. You know, he was alumni there. Now I'm going to the writer side of things because no matter what profession in sports, Saturday was a shocker to all, although not Howie Rose, who kept a really good secret. But Joe Rini, how surprised were you that Willie Mays got his call up to the rafters of City Fields?
1: I was very surprised um when I saw that um you know they had finished with the player introductions and um and uh Howie Rose said, you know, look up to the you know the, the, the video screen. So I'm thinking, okay, we're going to see a video tribute to Tom Seaver and then um I see Willie Mays come on and even then I was thinking, okay, maybe then we'll see something to Tom Seaver and then you kind of realize that um they had it was under wraps you know the circ you know the circle with number 24 on you saw them kind of putting it into place and at that point you started thinking oh i guess they are re- maybe they're going to be uh, announcing the retirement as number but i was very surprised i really did not didn't expect
2: it but it was a very for me it was a very pleasant surprise that's for sure i wanted to take a poll around the press box and i'm going to start with you because i feel like you're you were literally on the ground watching all of this um why did it take so long? Why didn't the Wilpons do it? And it seems like just Steve Collin is sort of picking up where everybody left off. I mean, everybody before him left off, right?
1: It's Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I mean, when, um, you know, Mays, when he was, when he retired, you know, and it's interesting, it wasn't, it wasn't like what some guys have had now where they've had the retirement tour. Mays didn't have anything like that. I think basically – 73, he was hurt a lot. I guess he had missed a lot of time, maybe in the summer, like maybe in August or so. And come September, he announced that he was retiring. And so it was a pretty – so from the time he announced his retirement to the time they announced the day at Shea Stadium, probably was about two weeks or so. That's in my memory. It was all in the same month. And it was just interesting that – I remember watching it and you just you were assuming that his number was being retired that that um that that was what was happening at that time I think they gave him his uniform or something you know uh but you just felt like okay his number is being retired although they didn't really officially announce it that night and and as they say then afterwards Mrs. Payson wasn't well and she wound up passing away probably 2 years later I think you know maybe I think September of 75 it might have been and then the team, you know, sort of devolved into a mess, you know, with M. Donald Grant and the, the Tom Seaver sure. situation. That I think it just sort of fell by the boards. And then the Wilpons came in, and you know, for whatever reason, I mean, would have been a slam dunk of a thing. But you know, maybe at that point the Wilpons were like, well, it's already been seven years, and you know, their affinity was to the Dodgers and not to the and not to the New York Giants, perhaps. And. um it just seemed very strange that they just sort of, that it was in this sort of um, limbo. Let's put it that where They weren't really giving the number out. I think um, Willie, Hen- um, Ricky Henderson had it for a time. And actually Cano, I think was wearing number yes, 24 sure. as well. And um, so they sort of reached, I guess a, an inflection point at this point where it was either going to be, well, do we retire? Or do we, do we not retire? And you know, what are we just going to like, just leave it out there. And this, this event really provided a, you know, really a great opportunity for the Mets to do it sort of on the spur of the moment. I know they said they've been talking about it for probably, probably since Cohen took over the team perhaps, but I think this event probably was the thing like, okay, let's, we can get this thing done now. And um, I think it just, you know, it just was strange that it just kind of like hung around there for all these years, but it was, I think the right decision.
2: Well, I often, I've been saying the last couple of days that maybe honoring her wishes Show from above, you know, grand chair a championship now. Maybe that's the key that everybody was missing the last, you know, yeah. however many years.
1: Well, it's it's interesting too, but it's, cause even now, like in the last few days, you know, kind of thinking in my head, um, but some 'cause some people just couldn't quite understand why they were doing it. And I think really to um to get an appreciation why the Mets were doing it, you have to kind of Put yourself into that period of time, 1972, when he came to the Mets, 73, when he retired, um, the Mets was still a relatively new team. Only, you know, it came into existence in 62. And Mrs. Payson had been, I guess, uh, on the board of directors of the, of the New York Giants. She was the only director who voted not to go to San Francisco. So that era, you know, the Mets really was seen, I think, as a successor team to the um, the Giants and the Brooklyn Dodgers I mean that's their fan base, what they took over, and so I really felt that you know who knows maybe you miss you know what like think like back in the last twenty years or so with the Cleveland Browns when the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland, sure to go to um to Baltimore, and then when they got the new Cleveland franchise, the new Cleveland franchise took over the the history of of the original Cleveland Browns and that didn't happen obviously with the Mets they didn't take over the statistics and history of the but New they York took
2: Giants. The colors Joe you know they took the colors of both Brooklyn right and they
1: took the exactly and I think the fact that it was Mrs. Payson who had been associated with the Giants I think at least in sentiment wise it was considered like Willie Mays is back home this is where he came up this is where he should have played his career the fact that he had this relationship you know with with Mrs. Pay, you know Mrs. Payson um, it, it just seemed like it was the right thing to do then, and it was the right thing, you know, the right thing to do now. Um, it was interesting, well, too.
2: About, you know, I'm so glad we're talking about this, because here's the thing about it. He's still alive. And exactly. a, lot of, a lot of the criticisms the Mets have faced are well, they do it when they're dead. They put the picture on him. He's dead or he's got the right. money It's not right. wrong. I mean, right. he did retire them. He was retired When he was cognizant, I'll give them that. that. But right, is there a delay factor that Steve Cohen's trying to erase here? Is that what you're feeling I I think I think so. I think that again, like I said,
1: I think this was really a lot of factors came together. I think one, you know, approaching 50 years. I mean, and Willie Mays. I mean, God bless him; he's still alive at you know 91 years old. So, you know, he's not getting. None of us are getting any younger. Willie's not getting any younger. I mean. you know, um, you know, who knows what is he hasn't been in public too much. I know he's had eye issues. I remember when he was at the All Star Game several years back. So Willie is still here. You know his teammates are still around. So there's people that you know next year. don't no, think about it. Next year's going to be the 50th anniversary of the '73 team. So it kind of ties in with that. And then having you know so many people at the event, they were already there. You know the '70 significant number of people from 73 were there and then other ball players who could appreciate you know what Willie Mays meant to the game ironically I feel like some people forget how good he was and um and again when you just mentioned like guys who passed away and then the Mets honored them um one guy I think of in that respect is Tommy Agee that I don't believe bo- I'm ninety five percent certain. I'm actually I'm sure of this. He didn't get elected to the Mets Hall of Fame until after he passed away. And you know, he passed away twenty five years or more yeah. after the sixty nineteen
2: He went to a lot of those events at Shea, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. So and I mean it re- it should he should have it should
1: have been done while, you know, A. D. was alive. I mean, granted, I mean it's not like, you know, he was in his late fifties. I mean, maybe you don't expect a man to pass at that age. But still, he should have been done early. There's no doubt in my mind that age shouldn't have had to have waited that long to be inducted into the Met Hall of Fame.
2: All right. I've got to ask you this, then, because you've been around Shea. You've been around City Field now. I mean, it's been up for 13 years. But right. being back on the field with those guys that brought magic to the Queens in a lot of those years, I mean, the 86ers, oh. then the 90s, with Piazza, Lighter, Ventura come on, Ventura with the bases loaded opportunity? Was that right. or, or You know, baseball's funny like that, I guess.
1: Yeah, it really was a great day. The day itself, I mean, I, I chatted with um, a few of the players. I mean, I chatted with uh, Bobby Ojeda before, uh, you know, before the old-timers game, and, you know, he was just thrilled to be there. I mean, the idea, because there was something special about this day, and, you know, based on talking with him and I actually spoke to one of the Uh, one of the early day Mets, uh, Steve Dillon. I think there was something special they felt by seeing generations of Mets, generations of Mets players, the players themselves, I think that there's definitely a connection they feel to each other when you wear the same uniform. And that was evident. And I think that's what they, uh, they really appreciate. And I think from a fan perspective too, that's what was very moving about the event as well. I mean, that, you know, you've got to see kind of like the whole tide of Mets history from, you know, it was great that they had a few of the guys from 62 there as well. We sort of forget some of the other teams. And I I, I spoke with actually Skip Lockwood, who was their closer in the uh, late seventies. And the team wasn't a great team at that point, but we were chatting and I said, you know, for a kid who, came of age when, you know, you were pitching for the Mets and became a Mets fan, you know, if they were too young to remember 69, you were their hero. I mean, you were the guy who they remember most when they became baseball fans. So I think they felt that. And, and as a fan, you know, as someone who's followed the Mets for over 50 years, and, and also I think just... Joe well, you Reaney, you must
2: have, a, Jorini, you must have a lump in your throat too.
1: Absolutely. Certain people who came out, um, like I remember... Um, I think when it might have been when Frank Thomas came out from the sixty two mess, he got escorted by Lindsey um, Lindsay Berra, Yogi Berra's daughter. And I know Gil Hodges' daughter escorted someone else and um Tom Seaver's daughter escorted that Crane pull out. Ed was walking with Kane. So I thought that was really a nice way to include even, you know, the people, you know, who we remembered who weren't, you know, obviously they were passed on and weren't able to attend. But but obviously the fans, that sentiment is still there with the fans. So I thought that was really a, a really nice touch that the uh, that the Mets did. And, you know, and of course, when you talk about uh, getting a lump in your throat, you know, Buddy Harrelson is still with us. Sadly, you know, Buddy is dealing with Alzheimer's disease. And I believe it was
2: his daughter who came, might have been the wife and daughter, um, who came and I've been by their side. Cause I had been work. I had been seeing him at a duck stadium right until 2018 when they retired his number right. did a for the Alzheimer's foundation. And then that right. was kind of it. Like,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, well yeah. for us, it was, it. I know he was at 19, the 50th anniversary, which was right. 18, but then after that, I think he kind of went, yeah, no,
1: that's it. I mean, I guess it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's becomes a very, you know, a private struggle for a family when you go through, uh, Something like that. So, you know, there was also, of course, that aspect, you know, um, when you see the heroes of your youth and then they're, you know, older and then, you know, you realize, well, I've gotten old, you know, a funny story. I mean, my dad, he passed away last year, um, aged, almost 97, but he was, uh, I remember when he was about 90, we were chatting and I said, oh, yeah, Tom Seavers turning 70 and rusty seventy.
2: And you're like, wow, I
1: didn't realize they were that old. And then he goes, well, then again, I'm 90. So, you know, it's one of those
2: things where, you know, um, the passage of time, you know. When Vin Scully passed, you know, I cried for an hour. Yes. Age group. And, you know, it just, unfortunately, the bell will toll eventually. You just pray it's not tomorrow or the next day. Right, right. And, I mean, choke you up big time. And I'm sure that you thought of your dad on that field. You think of him every time you cover that. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest
1: with you. Like this year, I mean, again, last year was when he passed away, and I wasn't covering, I wasn't covering anyone, covering the team last year. Now this year, covering the team, and and, and Buck has been great to cover, um, and just um, you know, the team is doing well, obviously. And this past weekend, you know, the Old Timers Day was just such a great thing, chatting with people. I, you know, obviously. There are times where I found myself saying, oh, man, I, I just would love to talk to my dad about this. I mean, I was lucky to have him, you know. I was lucky to have him for as long as I did. But you do, you know, baseball, I think, perhaps more so than other sports. That we It it really seems to be a father-to-son kind of, you know, experience. So
2: is that um, the lyric of Harry Cashman, one of his songs from Father to Son, I think, is how it goes. So.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think that's definitely... Um, you know, that that just seems to be how baseball is passed on. And so, uh, yeah, no, definitely. A lot um, of people
2: it, are a lot of like that. Um, so I'm sure. And then when you write, you think of him. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Buck because I don't think this weekend will be half as momentous if they weren't in first place in at the end of August. I mean, what is, it can't just be Buck. I mean, I know that he's a huge Yeah. Guy, well, what? I
1: think, well, I think I look at uh, looking at the team. They've been fortunate, you know. The um, pitching—I mean, fortunate. I mean, and meanwhile, here the Grom didn't pitch until August, but um, they got good years out of Taiwan Walker, and they got good years um, out of out of Carrasco because Carrasco has been hurt the last couple of weeks. But they got very good years out, out of those guys. I mean, and you know, you've, last year was sort of a transition year for Taiwan because he. Hadn't you know he wasn't really up to full strength. He gave you a great first half of the season. Second half of the season he wasn't nearly as good. And Carrasco, of course, you know missed half the year. And then when he came back, he sort of struggled. So they've gotten good years out of them. I think that's been helpful. I think maybe a uh, maybe it's overlooked or maybe underappreciated. The defense is much better this season. I know um, Escobar has hasn't been great at the bat. He's been really good at third base. And obviously, Guillaume has, you know, he's kind of been a little of everywhere playing second base and third base. Um, the defense has been really good. I mean, Dorr has played a spectacular shortstop. And that really – I mean, especially if you're a team that's going to win based on pitching – you you can't have situations where you don't turn a double play and then that pitcher has to throw another eight inning eight inni- another eight pitches to get out of the inning. Or just like you know, and you would notice it, I felt, watch when the Mets would play a team like the Cardinals or a team like the Dodgers, there just would be plays they would make even in the outfield or double plays they would turn and you'd think the Mets aren't doing that. So I think that has been a uh, an overlooked factor. And then of course they got they've gotten bounce back years from uh Alonzo bounce back years from uh from McNeil. So that that's also
2: been a, a big help. But yeah, I mean a lot of things oh my have gosh turned out well. And McNeil is the spark plug. He kinda have kinda played this role that nobody expected it to be well. right. Okay, McNeil's played what he expected. He's a great player, okay. Right. He, he's a spark plug, but I don't think he, he was expected to grow into this role. And, and then right. everybody thinks about Pete Alonzo. And when you talk about defense, everybody's worried about his defense and say, just put a DH spot. And that's my next question. Yeah. (laughs) The DH rule, I still feel like I'm watching National League baseball when I watch the National League. How about you? Well, I'll tell you,
1: I was, you know, I was one of these so-called purists, you know, who would say, um, you know, I prefer to have the pitcher bat and not as, and not have the, uh, the DH. But I have to tell you in the last 10 years or so, um, I really came to feel like the National League ought ought to have adopted the uh, the designated hitter. Um, You know, to watch a pitcher who can't hit, I mean, let's face it, the pitchers weren't even able to bunt, it seemed like, most of the time. Just in evaluating pitchers, I felt like maybe sometimes an American League pitcher didn't get appreciated enough because they were facing nine hitters. And whereas, you know, a National League guy... Oftentimes you'd get to that eight-hitter, and then, okay, well we'll put him on and we'll face the pitcher. And it sort of, you know, maybe gave a little an advantage, you know, to a National League pitcher versus American League. So I think it's worked out. I mean, I know um, you're losing a bit of strategy, but on the other hand, I think um, I like the fact that a pitcher, especially if, if it's that a pitcher has a chance to stay in the game longer, or if you put a middle relief guy in there, you know, a guy comes in the game in the second inning, there's not that pressure to pinch hit for him in the fourth inning. You know, you can kinda of maybe stretch him out a little bit. So I I've, I've come to the point where it's like I'm 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 fine with it. It doesn't, you know, it, it's the uh you know the walls didn't come tumbling down. So I I think it's it's worked out well and I think it's good for the game.
2: All right. Well I, I'm starting to think so too. And you know, these pitchers in the N L are not getting beat up on the on the hitting. I know people love right. to see
1: it but as well yeah, place. that's very true. No, I mean, that's, that's very true. I mean, you hate to see, I mean, an American, you know, any pitcher, and especially when the American League guys don't bat nearly as often as American National League guys, to see someone get hurt on the bases, it's, you know, it's there's no point to that.
2: No, well, all right, John, I'm so glad we talked about this. So what articles have you written on Old Timer's Day? Is there a place to uh,
1: Well, have- I have, well, this past weekend, I, um, I was being at the game Saturday. I wrote about the game, and um, the um, I had articles mostly about the game, but I did cover the Willie Mays aspect. You know, um, reporting on Willie, and you know, and, and by the way, uh, Cleon Jones spoke so well of, of very movingly, of uh, of Willie Mays. That was you know after uh, at the post game at the post old timers game press conference, um, you know, just saying, you know, Willie was the best guy, you know, when Willie's knees were okay, he was still the best player on the team. And he just, all the things that he could do to help, uh, to help a team win. Um, So I wrote about that. And now I I do have another article in the works actually about old timers day because I wound up actually spoke with quite a few of um, old timers. I managed to speak to about um, Ojeda the Steve Dillon, um, Skip Lockwood, uh, Sid Fernandez, and John Matlack. So I have an article. Hopefully, we'll will get out either tomorrow night or at least by
2: uh, by Friday. But yeah, that that's the the next article that that's in the works. Very cool. We'll look forward to it. Now I can't let you go without asking because you've followed this team for fifty years, which is basically five six of their <laughs> um Gil Hodges. I don't know if you got a chance to watch him play or through the highlights, but talk about that what that means to you and oh
1: that yeah that was um i was um was not able to see gill play remember him very much so as a, a manager of the mets you know remember when they won the series remember when he passed away um feel connected with gill i mean i was he you know was someone you know he, he, in the boys of summer, the chapter on Gil Hodges is called, you know, the one who stayed in Brooklyn because he did stay in, in Brooklyn, even, you know, all those years after he could married a woman from Brooklyn, uh, his wife, Joan. And again, maybe I felt a certain kinship with Gil. I mean, Gil and my, I mean, Gil and my dad were born a month apart. I mean, sadly, Gil passed away as a young man. And, you know, my dad was an old Brooklyn Dodger fan, hearing stories about the, um, Hearing stories about the Brooklyn Dodgers and how connected they were with that community, um, you know, even now I, I would joke like, you know, if I would like read about how the Dodgers, you know, lost the fifty-two or fifty-six World Series, I could almost be like, oh man, how did they lose? How did they lose it? But um, but yeah, I mean, it was something to see Gil finally get in, and also to get in while you know while his wife was was still alive, and I thought that was just such a you know, I really thought that was a really momentous thing. And you know, I mean, you know, you look at the poor guy like Ron Santo. I mean, they made he didn't get in until after he passed away. You know, a much deserving guy. And you know, um, you know, when you think back to you know Gil getting in, I'm sh you know Vin Scully. I think was uh, instrumental. I mean, know oh, um, you know, did made very public you know his feelings that Gil belonged in the hall of fame. And I, you know, just from a, you know, a New York met, you know, descended from, you know, a Brooklyn Dodger for fans perspective. It was, it was very gratifying to see, uh, to see Gil finally get into the hall of fame because again, i also think with Gil is there are guys of comparable offensive numbers. I mean, I'll grant you that, but like, you know, he put a stamp, he put a mark on a franchise, I mean, besides just winning this series with the Mets, I mean, he put his mark on that franchise where they went from being a losing franchise to being a World Series winner, and so I, that that's a very significant um, significant factor, I think, in Gil's in Gil's favor. So I was very happy to see it
2: happen. You mentioned Vin; he did come up here. A lot even as he got older so any conversations you have with Ben Scully or I any- did
1: not that's um I, that's one guy I wish I would have been able I think by the time I started covering the Mets in 2012 I think Ben at that point had stopped um making the trips back east for um for the road trip so yeah unfortunately I was not able but I I guess the tenuous connection I have with Ben uh, is he's a Fordham grad and um, I'm married to a Fordham grad, and I have one daughter who's a Fordham grad, and another daughter who, um, hopefully, if all goes well in two years, will be another Fordham grad. Will be another Fordham graduate. You say you're a Fordham grad? I'm not. No, I'm I'm a Fordham grad by ma- by marriage. I, my <laughs> wife, my wife was, and and now my both daughters. Um, like I said, my my older daughter graduated in twenty twenty one, and my younger daughter is going to be in the class of 2024. So I'm, a,
2: I guess, a Fordham in law, perhaps. You know, while I have you for a bit, we're going to do this again, but any any other stories from this season alone? Or well, from- I tell you, it's been a
1: fun season for me, um, you know, both from a, uh, a perspective of, of a sports writer. I mean, Buck has been great to cover. One very interesting thing about Buck and his interactions is that uh, when the press conference ends, you know, the other guys would – pretty much get out of there quickly, but, you know, he'll linger, you know, you'll get another opportunity uh, to chat on him, maybe one-on-one and everything. So that that's been great. And um, as a fan perspective, you know, I've got a couple buddies of mine who I reunited with after 40 years. Um, I had like 40th high school graduation last year's uh, reunion. So it's been fun with my uh, buddies, Willie and Charlie to uh, kind of keep up on the Mets again and especially that they're having a, a good season. So, all around with, from a sports writing and a fan perspective it's been a lot of fun.
2: The things you haven't suggested him switch to cotton from polyester, right? You haven't done right. That. <laughs> that's right, yes. And then, the, uh and then secondly, can they go far? I think they're going to be
1: well, Dodgers I've,
2: they're going to have a tough run in this, I think.
1: Well, I'll tell you,
2: I it's going to be everyone I know talks
1: about the Grom insurers of the Grom. Now, if, and then we're assuming the Mets finish in first place, which they, they very. I mean, they they've got a three game lead. So, assuming they do finish in first place and get that first round by, you know, Scherzer and Degrom, but you know, they're not pitching nine innings. And yes, we've got they've got um, Diaz for the ninth inning, but as I've written, sometimes it's you know outs number twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four, the eighth inning where that's going to be key. And that's kind of the little bit of a weak link they've had. Now, they've gotten a fantastic season out of Adovino. I mean, he's pitched better, I think, than probably anyone could have expected. I remember a couple years ago with the Yanks, maybe it was fatigue. He sort of wore down comes the postseason. Um, You know, is he going to be pitched as well in the postseason as he's done in the regular season? Um, Lugo's pitched a little bit better. You know, in the second half of the season, but to me, that's that's going to be key. I mean, how that bridge to how do we how do the Mets get to Diaz? That's going to be the big key because we know we'll get you know seven good innings out of Scherzer and Degrom, but postseason you're playing close games. That that's going to be the uh, the tricky part. I, mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying they're not going to make it, but that's going to be their challenge. I think to um, to get. Um, to kind of get the, that bridge to uh, to Diaz.
2: And I think it's great that, you know, he was sort of, we all kind of, I, I might say I laughed at it, but he blew that bases loaded save opportunity against the Phillies. I mean, you gave him a grand slam. Remember, right, right, right. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, with, he's With had... nobody there, okay, with no pressure, nobody in the stands, he still gives it up. And I'm like, man, this guy just can't do it right. And then all of a sudden we're playing a trumpet for him end of the right. park. I'm sure you've seen that multiple times. So oh, gosh, yeah. Is it I as mean, ecstatic as it looks, or what?
1: Is it, excuse me, I'm sorry, what was that, Alex?
2: As it looks, it looks pretty unreal when this happens. Oh, it does. No, I mean, it's it's incredible.
1: I mean, I, I've i seen, you know, I've been at the games where he's given up, you know, the big home run and, you know, watched it, and you would wonder, how did this guy save 58 or 57 games for the, uh, the Mariners, you know, in 2018? And so, And I feel like he's even pitched much, he pitched better in the other 2020, 2021. But I mean, this year he's just taken it to another level. And it's very interesting, even hearing um, Buck sort of address the question. And, you know, one of the things he's, you know, he'll say, not just about Diaz, but, you know, about any of the plays is, you know, these guys, these guys are human beings. And, you know, it's, uh, they're human like us. And, you know, he said, I wasn't here when Diaz came in 2019, but he was probably, what, about 25 years old, and all of a sudden you get traded from Seattle to now all of a sudden, you know, a media capital like New York, and um, it's not an easy adjustment. So maybe that's what was going on. I mean, also the, the ball was probably a little more juiced in 2019
2: um, than was, it is today. Homers, i think, have got gonna... to – Another question, are you from Jersey, New York City? Queens? Oh no, I I'm a um it's
1: it well I I guess I've I've come full cycle. I was Brooklyn born and bred and um when uh, my wife and we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary um after we got married, lived in Queens briefly, then we lived on Long Island and and we kind of lived in the Rockland Bergen County area for a while, but this year since um since this past December, we're back in Queens, so we, we've kind of we've come full circle and uh, back in the uh, the back in the boroughs. But um, but yes, no, I am a uh, Brooklyn born. You know, I, it's, it's probably people can tell <laughs> listening to me and
2: and uh, the problem is you don't get these conversations on your subways anymore. Everybody's buried in their phone. They don't want to. Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah.
2: Home. It's just like all right, game's over. Time right. to go back to the world. I remember everybody would be cheering. I remember there was a time where people would just be talking up a storm on the seven line, on the four oh, line. You probably did. That, Yeah, that, oh yeah. I I don't know. It's just very discouraging.
1: I mean it just uh, I mean, you know, New York is a baseball town. I mean there used to be uh you know, I mean people would you know, I mean, Mets Yankees, I mean people would debate them all uh, all of the time, you know, the early days of the uh the Subway series and everything. And, you know, maybe people just have so many different things um, that they can do now. I mean, you know, you could think about all the ways why people aren't playing the game like they used to, why it's not getting the attention that it used to, but New York at least is, you know, New York is a baseball town. I mean, maybe most cities, you know, in the country, football might be more popular. I mean, I think I remember a few years ago people, we're trying to say that, I mean, the Yankees were the most popular team in New York, of course, and followed by the New York football giants, but I, I don't think the, the football giants or Jets bring up the kind of passion, I think, that, you know, people get from bait from the Yankees and the Mets. I mean, there's just something about the dailiness of baseball, you know, over six months' time. I mean, you know, sometimes the football, myself being a longtime Jets fan, uh, you know, sometimes... You get the situation where essentially the Mets season and the Jets season ends on the same day. You know, the last few years when the Jets opened up the season 0 and 4, but uh, but yeah, it's it's good to see. You know, it's good to see baseball. You know, hey, we would love to see a long run by the Yankees and the Mets in the in the postseason, and to uh, and to see them meet in the uh, meet see them meet in the ser- rematch of the 2000
2: World Series. I'd like to take this to 40, so we got about four minutes left. So okay. My 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 next question is about the Yanks. Do you cover them like you do the Mets? Do you get no? Asked? No, I don't. I I don't typically. Yeah,
1: I I cover the Mets. I mean, I've um I have covered the Yanks. I mean, I've, I've covered. Haven't been to the stadium too often on on occasion. Um, I did manage this year. I did cover the um, the Subway Series game at at Chase Stadium that's <laughs> Chase City Field um, the game where Scherzer pitched where you know Judge had a rough night that night, but um, yeah, don't cover the Yankees as much, but, you know, looking at them, I mean, I mean, you gotta, you know, you have to love what, yeah, it's going to be interesting with them, how their pitching holds up, but Judge has had a spectacular season this year, and, you know, Stanton, you know, maybe now that he's back in the lineup for the Yanks, that'll kind of stabilize things offensively, but um, yeah, Judge, how could could you not like Aaron Judge?
2: Oh my God, and he's doing it nationally, I am a, the full belief, of yeah. the risk. Some people think I'm crazy, or at least one person does think that he won't get it done by Jeter night, but I don't know how special. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It would just be great. I mean, fortunately he, if he hits 62 home runs, he has the American league record. So there there's something, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, what we went through with, um, <laughs> with bonds and with McGuire, you know, that record has sort of been, you know, debased. you know, the 73 home runs, uh, the one year, but at least the American league one, we can kind of look at that one as a true record.
2: All right. Well, one last question then, because, and I, I have a question about boom, but I'll get to that another day. Cause it's about Met's Old timers day. Okay. And you cannot go without mentioning the one, the only Mr. Met Jay Horowitz. Uh, what's uh, your,
1: you know, Jay, um, you know, I, I know after the game, you know, I contacted him to say, you know, it was just such a great event, you know, um, that, that they had pulled off, and and there's so much work that goes into an event like that. And then also, um, Jay also does it. Has, has before COVID, at least, he would bring guys back, like every homestand. You know, like one homestand he brought back Youngblood, uh, Youngblood, and uh, someone else. I forget the name. But then another weekend he brought back Jay Payton and Frank Thomas. So George Theodore. So yeah, it's been a. He's really, you know, Jay is. You know, he's an institution there at uh, at the MET organization. And, you know, this was just such a – this might have been maybe the best event they pulled off.
2: And 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 Steve Cohen out. All right, sir. Joe Rini, I am so glad we got to talk for a good 40 minutes tonight. I'm excited to post this. Okay. It where we can find you even on social media, website-wise.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's it. Um, again, I'm writing for a last word on sports. You can find my uh, current writings there. Um, to also see – any my writings going back ten years or anything that I produce that goes, you know, directly to my website, that is Span in the Box, just, you know, the way it's spelled out, f a n i n t h e e l x dot com. Um and am I'm, I'm also you can follow me on uh Twitter. Um at, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, so yeah, any any place you want to find you know, look for me, you can probably uh,
2: find me. Well, absolutely. I'm gonna get this right by the way. So Joe Rini on Twitter. Stand in the box, Joe. Follow him there. He's got a he's got a lot going on. Uh, I guess he he uh partners up with Last Word. Yeah, I see you're retweeting a lot of other different outlets, which is great.
1: So Right, right. Yeah, that's it. And you know, of course, you know, when my things are out I'll comment of course on things. But uh yeah, the um yeah, any, like I said, any, where you could, you could, you know, I guess all the usual suspects. So, as we might say, um, you should be to find I had a pleasure
2: meeting you on the field. I can't believe that was five years ago. A, we got to come back and meet each other again soon. Yes, and, definitely. And B, uh, I just followed you on Twitter. Okay. And you, of course, enjoy the rest of the season. And, you know, uh, congratulations on being on the field. I could tell you're a Mets fan. It's very yeah. obvious. Yeah, right. And <laughs> that was that was my experience, so thanks for sharing it with us on the- I I, uh,
1: I thank you very much for uh, giving me the time to share it with you, too, Alex. I appreciate that.
2: We will talk to you soon on the next edition of Alex Fair Podcasting.
1: Have a great night. Thank you. Take care now. Bye-bye.